Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, cat lovers. Welcome to Catitude. I'm your show host, Michelle Fern. Today we have a really great show. I have the author of this adorable book called Oliver Kitten's Diary. So stay tuned. We'll be back right after this brief message. Kitty Poo Club reinvented the litter box. No more scrubbing that stinky plastic tray or worrying. Oh my God, do my guests smell that? No cleaning, no scrubbing, no more stink. You are going to love it. Your cats are going to love it. Go to kittypooclub.com, and when you order, save 30% on your first auto ship. Visit kittypooclub.com, use code MEOW30 at checkout, and join the club, the Kitty Poo Club. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. I would like to welcome Gareth St. John Thomas. He is the author of Oliver Kitten's Diary, The Journals of a Mischievous Cat's First Year. Welcome, Gareth. Hello. How are you, Michelle? I'm great. How are you? Oh, good. I'm talking to you from uh, New Zealand this morning. Oh, I have actually been to New Zealand. Beautiful country. Yeah, it's a bright but wintry day. Oh, yeah, that's right. Winter. <laughs> I'll trade. We have, I'm in Florida, so we have uh, Fort Lauderdale. We have showers and humidity and heat. Oh, wouldn't know anything about those things today. Around summer. <laughs> At all. No, it's definitely a day to be indoors here. And if you're a cat, curl up by the fire. <laughs> oh, nice. Let's talk about Oliver Kenton's diary. What inspired you to write this book? It's really a piece of fun. And um, sometimes my friends say this is where Monty Python meets the cat's world. But I've seen an awful lot of very saccharine, sweet, sometimes absolutely delightful books about trying to get inside a cat's mind. But um, I always thought that they kind of missed it a little bit. And um, therefore, producing a little journal of how the cat gets on in life and how the cat sees things from a cat perspective, I thought it would be entertaining. And it was people are certainly enjoying uh, Oliver Kitten's diary. So it kind of wanted to be written because it almost wrote itself, if you know what I mean. It was a project at the uh, over the Christmas, New Year holiday break. And um, Oliver wrote itself really. But I really did, to answer your question specifically, I really did want to put the cat's point of view over because it's very different to our human point of view. And that's what I was going to ask you next, although you kind of um, went into it a little bit. What was it like writing from the point of view of a kitten? And did you feel, ever feel as you were writing the book that you were st- a little stuck in that point of view? Well, sometimes it was easy to get out, if you know what I mean, because kittens spend a lot of the day sleeping. And there's an entry for each day uh, of the year in the book. But um, some of them are very short. For example, day 125, Richard moved me into Lucy's room and I slept there all day and all night. (laughs) And that's exactly what they do. 
Yep, indeed. And then there are very busy, busy, hyperactive days. There's a lot of them and quite a few projects and things that uh, Oliver gets involved with. They're little episodes. Sometimes an episode can last a day. Sometimes it can last several days. Writing it was fun, and the episodes had their natural length. Oliver was adopted by a three-generation multicultural family. Why did you decide that would be Oliver's, you know, forever home? Well, the home obviously needed a cat, and several are much more common now with multi-generational families. And I thought it was great that Oliver could entertain and be entertained and looked after by three generations in one household. And it created a, a richer, broader range of characters for Oliver to interact with. Now, many people are just on their own and the cat just has to contend with you. But in this case, there are, there are lots of uh, family members and their friends that Oliver interacts with. And I think it creates a broad range of potential fun and um, potential confusion. Oliver gets into a lot of mischief in the book, like a lot. And do you have any real-life examples that you took some of his antics from? And can you share them with us? Oh, certainly. I mean, Oliver is known for, um, one of the things Oliver does is get into, a get into a tow truck and start playing with all the buttons and things. I had a Siamese cat I grew up with. Her name was Sarah. And um, Sarah used to live with me on a farm, and uh, she used to get into any visiting tradesperson's cars. And I swear that one day she found a way of releasing the handbrake. How she did it, I don't know. Um, but, uh, curious cats can get themselves into trouble, and they have, when they're obsessing or interested in one thing, they can spend a lot of time and energy focusing on doing it for several minutes. Even a young kitten's attention can actually run to two to three minutes on one thing. And that's enough to cause a little bit of damage. And then the story of Oliver uh, knocking the goldfish bowl over. Well, I think quite a few of our audience today would have, would have seen something similar. They get very curious. And although cats are generally, as you well know, very, very elegant, sometimes kittens can be a little bit rough-edged and uh, not quite as coordinated as their elders. And therefore, the cats do cause many... Fun disasters, nothing too serious. Sarah, again, was a character that um, used to get into everywhere that she shouldn't and enjoyed being there. Though it's not replicated in all of the kitten's diary, once a sheep had landed, it had walked into the property and it didn't belong there. And Sarah's way of seeing the sheep off was to jump on her back. Uh, and off she went with Sarah desperately jumping off before the sheep ran too fast. So there's a few examples, uh, Michelle. Oh, great examples. That's our, let's see. Dennis was kind of an, I think he was almost a year, so not really a kitten, but he used to open the dog food. Did he really? Wow. <laughs> he wanted to eat everything. He actually sliced open with his nails. He'd slice open the dog food and um, <laughs> there you go. And he would eat it. He, he wants yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, you could relate to Oliver getting into the goldfish food. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a question on this. You said Oliver's, it's a life in the first year. I think I kind of know the answer in my head to this, but I want, of course, your answer because you wrote this. But why did you give like the first year? Why did you set that time frame? Well, it's a book that you can dip into yourself most days of the year. It's a book you can read from cover to cover in one or two sittings. Or you can just have it by your bedside uh, 
and uh, dip into it. And a year seemed like a good period. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but I found in a year a cat has really emerged fully and the level of change in the uh, first 12 months is never replicated anymore. You know exactly who the cat is by the end of the year. And I think most of their learning, if not their observing, is completed by them. And therefore, they're happy to continue being who they are. But in the first year, they're more adventurous, they're naughtier, they take greater risks. And a sort of year was a reasonably good defining period. We, of course, expect to read our other kittens' journal for the next two years at some point. But a year struck me as a, a sensible period. I don't know what your experience tells you, Michelle, but uh, for me, as I was saying, I, I do think the first year is a defining one. I agree. I absolutely agree because they go through so much growth, even in the first month. Yeah, yeah. It is incredible how quickly I'm being born to already, you know, walking around. And that's why we need more um, more shelters, more people adopting cats. So yep. let's come back to this question right after the break. What do you think it is about the mystique and allure of cats that draws us to them, even though they could be creatures that drive us crazy? But we love them. So we'll talk about that right after the break. We'll be right back. Kitty Poo Club reinvented the litter box. No more scrubbing that stinky plastic tray. Or worrying, oh my God, do my guests smell that? Kitty Poo Club has solved the stink. And now the worst part of cat ownership is hassle-free. No cleaning, no scrubbing, no more stink. And the best thing is you don't have to buy some oversized contraption that will break down. Kitty Poo Club litter boxes are manufactured to make your life easier. You have one cat? Easy peasy. A small mountain lion? No problem. You are going to love it. Your cats are going to love it. Believe me, there are good reasons why we sold over 3 million boxes. Go to kittypooclub.com, read the amazing reviews, and when you order, save 30% on your first auto ship. Visit kittypooclub.com Use code MEOW30 at checkout and join the club, the Kitty Poo Club. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Gareth St. John Thomas. He's the author of Oliver Kitten's Diary. And we're talking about just the, you know, about the book. And we right before the break, I had asked Gareth, what do you think it is about the allure of cats that draws us to them? You know, even though they could be mischievous and they're alluring creatures, but they're also, they can be challenging at times, <laughs> like any but what draws us? It's not like a dog where they come and lick you. Well, some cats do, but they're they're not they're not always so cuddly. Sometimes they're just like, "This is me. Leave me alone." Most of them are like that. Well, part of the allure of cats, though, is that they choose us. Dogs are actually dependent upon you. You know the old cliche: you know, cats have staff and dogs have owners. I think that's probably true. And um, yeah, just to remind everybody that. Yeah, human beings and cats first did a deal when we first went as a species we started storing grain and um, that attracted mice and that attracted cats uh, and then the cats like the fires and therefore it's always been a mutual choice in other words there is no dependency 
Dogs have been raised and trained, and there is a dependency upon the human beings. Your cat can live without you. He or she chooses not to. And as you know, there are quite a few cats who have several homes and uh, commute between them. Dennis has had a couple of life things too. So I do believe in cats with nine lives. And I think you're correct. I mean, we're catitude. We're about cats. A lot of people have cats and dogs. I do. And and dogs were first in my home for cats. But there's something about cats. And we've talked about on this show, you know, they're not small dogs. Cats are cats. Dogs are dogs. They're not the same. And it seems the more people learn about cats, the more they get them. I have a little litmus test in life. Um, I, run a, I run, a, run a business when I'm not uh, with cats or writing about cats. And if you positively don't like cats, I'm probably not going to trust you. I think cats bring out the best in people as well. They do need or benefit from our protection and, if you like, our service. And if you positively dislike them, I think there's something wrong with you. I think they're very good for human beings. It's very hard for your heart to not start uh, slowing down and to not relax when you've got a cat for company. And there are many people, probably quite a few in your audience, who just have a cat for company, nothing else, and they'd be quite lost without them. But it is a mutual agreement. It is not a dependency. And that is the prime difference, as I say, between cats and dogs. I, I, I love dogs too. And um, I've generally found when there's a household with dogs and cats, the cat's pretty much in charge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have three that are indoor. One is outdoor, soon to be indoor. His mate passed, so she wouldn't have been good indoors. So pretty soon Jethro will be indoor and one dog. And there's even a hierarchy within the three indoor cats. Molly's the boss. Charlotte's afraid of everything, and Dennis could care less. He just—he's the old man. He just comes and goes and does what he wants right. and doesn't let anybody bother him. So they do kind of right when you have like that. They don't alpha pack like dogs, but one kind of becomes in charge. Yeah, sometimes that's circumstantial. In other words, I've noticed groups of cats where the often it is the the big mother that's in charge of all the other mothers and the kittens, but then once those kittens have grown up, that cat's role has changed and she sort of disappears and goes backwards. Male cats, in my experience, tend to be a bit more solitary and uh, they will tend to look after themselves. I wrote another book some time ago called Cats Work Like This and it looked at cats who had jobs. <laughs> and uh, they are sometimes very good. There's um, cats who look after pubs and cats who look after libraries and they, thought they do find roles that fit, that fit well with them. And um, Oliver, I think, is yet to find his role. He had, um, and you'll, you'll find in Oliver Kitten's diary that Oliver was supposed to be a hospital cat for a brief time, providing reassurance and comfort for patients. But he was too impatient to deal with that. But there are uh, places where cats are kept to help calm people down and uh, give them a, a nice environment. So, um, yes, it, cats do find different roles. Right. You also wrote another book called Meow. What is that about? Meow? was actually written by my father, not me. So Meow, that's a different book altogether. This Meow is a, it's a celebration of cats. It is on one side, you get a quote about cats sourced from all over the world and all through history. And on the other side, you have a pretty picture. And it's an upmarket gift book. So Meow is an upmarket gift book for cat lovers. And it's in a series called Animal Happiness. And it's a book of joy for cat lovers. That's what Meow does. Okay, wonderful. Where can people find 
Oliver Kenton's diary to purchase. Well, at your local bookstore or on um, Amazon.com, they'll be there. Well, thank you so much. And I want to thank you again for coming on Cavitude and for sharing your book with everyone. Thank you so much, Gareth. Michelle. Lovely to meet you. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope everyone enjoyed this show. I want to like thank my guest, Gareth St. John Thomas, for coming on the show, telling us all about Oliver Kenton's diary. Thank you to my cat crew, my animal crew, <laughs> Nikki, Jethro, Charlotte, Molly, and Dennis. And of course, a huge thank you to my Catitude audience. Without you, there would be no Catitude. So thank you so much for listening or downloading wherever you listen. We're also live stream on iHeartRadio. And of course, Catitude would not be as good as it is without the magical touch of my producer, Mark Winter. So as we say on Catitude, lose the attitude, have Catitude. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.